Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Today's reading is taken from Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Beautifully read. Thank you, uh, Becky. Uh, Wonderful scripture, very familiar scripture. Um, And one to have open before you uh, on your laps. Good morning. It's great to be with you and first time speaking, uh, preaching anyway on this platform. So this is really exciting to see uh, just this building done after all these years of preaching on the sort of with pews. Now we have nice people relaxing on comfy chairs and we're in a, we're in a great series, both and series, a uh, little bit of a flavor of what sort of church are we? Is God building at Westminster Chapel? Some of this is sort of aspirational. Some of it is description. Um, And you can decide as we look at this message this morning where we are. I feel uh, if it's just me uh, who hears this message this morning, I probably need to be the first one to respond when Andy says, anyone want ministry? Because we're looking at the issue of diversity and unity. So we've looked at acceptance and transformation. We want to be a church which accepts everybody, but yet wants God to move, to transform us, to be more like Jesus. Andy last week was talked about God wants us to be a word. Church are deeply convicted of the soundness and the rightness and the uniqueness and the proper foundation of God's word in our life, but actually full of the Holy Spirit, not just hearing the word but doing the word and living the word and this morning it's God wants to us to be a church which is diverse um, young and old rich and poor uh, made up of nations from all over the world very much like London 
uh, bringing people into a family so that we're not just, oh wow, it's a crowd at a foot match made up from the nations, but actually we're one. We love each other. Uh, how do we do that? <laughs> and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I want to try and help us look at this word and allow the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to try and help us to know what it means for us in our future. All I do know is that we want more young people aspiring to be all they should be in this church. We want people from other nations of the world to be playing a full part in every aspect of this church's life, from being an elder to a teacher to a worship leader. To We want every single person, whatever their background, to feel, actually, this is my family. It doesn't matter what color skin or whether I'm clever or not so clever or whether I've had a good education or not, whether I'm a, a Christian of a few years old or a Christian who's been around the block a few times like myself. We want to see an incredible unity in this way. And I, I'm saying it's hard, and this is more like a fireside chat. If this volume's too loud, just down it a bit, because I want it to feel like a bit like a fireside chat, because I'm not trying to say, this is how you do it. Because the truth is, I, I head up a movement of churches called Commission. I've been part of a movement of churches called New Frontiers, which has predominantly been white and has predominantly been middle class um, and so I'm aspirational as a movement that we increasingly increasingly become much much more diverse we're led by two guys um, I, I, I lead alongside another guy from uh, India uh, Vinupur and uh, the biggest part of the Commission family actually if you didn't know this is from Asia the British part is the smallest part of our family of churches and I believe it's a wonderful thing that that is. So if I'm going to unpack diversity and unity, I want to give a couple of sort of challenges of what that does and doesn't look like from this passage of scripture. As I said, it would be really helpful if you had that passage of scripture open to you. And the first unpacking of this, because I believe it's almost... If we think we can do this, we're kidding ourselves. If we think we can bring in a whole ton of poor people, a whole ton of people who have just crossed the channel of boat people, or people who have been uh, diaspora from Hong Kong, and they all add into this, if we think we, well, we just rub up our, roll up our sleeves and we'll all bring, we, we're kidding ourselves because there is deep things in us that is going to prohibit that. And so this word is one that's going to sort of like... It, if it hurts, if it embarrasses, if it offends you, I, I'm really, really, so I'm not setting out at all to do that. I, I feel a little bit like I'm hopscotching across a minefield this morning, scripturally and, 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 and re, re, reality-wise. So if you've been offended by any, any words, my heart is to try and help us all to go, this is the heart of God and this is what God wants for Westminster Chapel. So the first couplet I've got in terms of understanding diversity and unity, we must understand how law and grace interplay in terms of this aspiration. The story is a wonderful story, a true story, a teacher, a lawyer, 
approaches Jesus. And he asks a question you and I should ask every single day of our lives. It's a brilliant question. The question is this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Pause. He is not asking how to become a Christian. He is talking about inheriting. He's talking about how do I live every day of my life in the goodness of the life of God? How do I receive and get everything God wants in my life every single day of my life? If God's got this big plan for my life, I don't want to live in a narrow little mindset and not inherit and receive everything that God has for me. How do I live this life? Now this guy is a genius. Because Jesus says, Jesus doesn't go, okay, there's an ABC of the Christian life. I'm just going to tell you. First of all, you accept people. Next, you believe in Christ and see you confess and off you go. You've done it. Now, Jesus doesn't give any. He says, how do you read the scriptures? I want to leave a lot of what I'm saying today. How do you read it? How are you going to, how are you going to work this out? How are you going to look at the scripture? Because, brothers and sisters... This lawyer is just about to sum up 2,000 plus verses, laws, scriptures, Old Testament verses into one verse. The whole of the God law into one verse. It's a brilliant incredibly clever summation you give all the bible laws and you think this guy's summing it all up and he sums it up in a very simple way he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself and jesus says Brilliant. Well done. That's a Howard Satterthwaite summation of quite a lot of complexity. Well done. Good job. Now here's the problem. You and I, like him, want to justify ourselves. We want to know, well, hang on. (laughs) Yeah, okay, love God, love others. Uh, how well am I doing? I mean, compared to everybody else, how well, what, how many times do I have to do this? Who is my neighbor? How far down the street do I have to go? Is it the next door neighbor or is it the one after that? I, I want to just justify myself here because I'm, I'm quite good at giving away. In fact, I've, I've swam in the serpentine a few times. I've done a few things for charity. Red Nose Day, I was big. He wants to justify himself in terms of loving other people. Jesus says, practice love and you will live. The life that God wants is the very life that God has that he freely gives us and that is to practice loving other people in the same way God loves us. But the problem is, why that doesn't happen, is because we want to justify ourselves. We want to do our bit, 
and leave it there. We want to do more than them and leave it there. And we never allow God's word as a mirror to look deep into our hearts and reveal what lies there and how much God wants us to change to be able to experience more of his love but actually to be able to give away more of his love. So I was thinking about how to help us in this area and I was thinking about the the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus giving all his um, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount he's drawing it to a close in Matthew 7 1 and he says this very famous verse we all like to quote it judge not that you be not judged or do not judge that you be not that you be judged for the judgment you give will be the judgment God meets out to you and I wondered if you could do something very practical maybe do this on when you get home today is make a list of the judgments you make every day that keeps you at arm's length with another person. Now all of you are thinking, I don't judge people. Oh, oh you do. I started making a list. I could have been there all day. I could. Mask wearers, non-mask wearers. People who drive flash cars, fast flash cars. People who are different, dress differently, follow a different football club. People who are smelly. People who uh, have got a very strong opinion. The clever people, the not so clever people. I can, I can make judgment upon judgment upon judgment upon judgment on a very superficial basis and on that basis keep distant from those people and never experience what it means to cross into their lives and to love that person as Christ loves them and to receive and understand that person as Christ wants me to. So do it. When you get home, do it as a part. Because the truth of the matter is, if we understand law and grace, every time we try and live the Christian life, it's easier to do law than it is to do grace. To love a person as Christ bids us love a person is to love them as Christ loved us. Why did Christ love us? Because we did something clever? Because we're the brightest? Because we're the... We're the fastest no but he loved us because he loved us in our weakness in our filth in our sin and bids us love like that it's much easier to love under law it's much easier to say here's the rule it was the chapel everybody gives this amount this percentage everybody dresses like this everybody must eat like this we must all eat the same food we must all worship in the same way Joel just tell us how to worship stand up sit down put your hands in the air it's much easier to follow a law than it is to follow grace and the Holy Spirit that's why so many churches become legalistic so many leaders become legalistic, tells people off Sunday by Sunday, you aren't doing enough, giving enough, going enough, evangelizing enough. We all walk out feeling, oh, I'm glad I went to church this morning. No. 
The Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit brings us into grace. And when we understand the free forgiveness of God and we give that to others, so the life of God flows with us and we build a community. A community that the world out there will be drawn to like a magnet. By this will all men know that you're my disciples because you love each other. Not with words, not because we all dress the same, but we love each other. Black and white, young and old, people who've come out of prison, people who've failed education, whatever it might be, people who've got difficulties and emotional health issues, we say, hey, you're welcome, we love you. We're part of this family. It will draw the world. We love like that. The second uh, pair is broken but together. You see, uh, an, an illustration here. This might go horribly wrong. My illustrations tend to go horribly wrong. So I'm trying to take some precautions. The elders are going to sack me otherwise. So here we have a plate. I don't know if you can see that. Heather's, Heather's painted on it a map of the world or Africa and Europe. And uh, it's a whole plate. It's all together. And a picture of our world, you know, John Lennon, that the world will be as one. Imagine no boundaries, no religion. And we can all love each other. And the brotherhood of man, that's all we need, isn't it? And we can somehow adopt that in our own psyche and own thinking in terms of our church and come along Sunday by Sunday and think, well, uh, it's a church for everybody. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um, um, but um, in terms of uh, food, we only like English food. We only like, we don't like curries. That's horrible food. Um, black lives matter. Well, all lives matter, to be honest. And we, without knowing it, in the church, we adopt the same spirit as the world. And little cracks split. And we become broken. And we keep to our own factions. And then if you think of the world, think of the world out there. Think that in the last year, football fans in England... We hate each other. 47% increase in football violence in a year just because you wear a different colour scarf. Think about all the brokenness and the homophobia and Islamophobia. Think about the world today that is killing right now Afghanistan. People are dying because they're not a Sunni or a Shia. Think of the Rohingya Muslims being persecuted in, in India today. I think how this broken world, our world is shattered and smashed and broken. Please don't think naively that when we come from that world into this day, into this moment, that that brokenness isn't still on the heart of God. Because in this story, a man was going down into Jericho. It was just an ordinary man. It was, it was a perilous journey. He was living his life and he fell amongst robbers. And they stripped him. And they went away leaving him half dead. Our world is broken. And if you're not moved, if I'm not moved, 
with compassion about those people trying to cross the, 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 the sea to get into Britain, if I'm not moved by the plight of the homeless people in London, if I'm not moved by the person who's being trafficked by sex traffickers, the young girl who's being... If I'm not moved by that, I'm not feeling the heart of Almighty God and not feeling why the church exists and the power of the church that can bring all this brokenness and bring it together in a miraculous way. You think of rich and poor. I've had comments like this in, in my past. Guy, we're attracting too many of the wrong kind of people. Too many poor people coming. I've had people in terms of the black and white. Well, there's no problem with black and white. It's a level playing field out there. No, it isn't. hasn't been a level playing field for generation after generation and if we're going to make a difference we need to realize that and and call out to almighty god to stop being patronizing and trying to play something superficial and ask for a deeper work of god in our lives we need it and rich and poor do you know there's 56 million millionaires in the world today do you know half of the world's wealth is earned by 85 people? That's wrong. How do you redistribute wealth? Can the government do it? Can somebody pass a great law? The only people who can do that are the people who live under the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of grace who freely give away all their wealth because they've freely received eternal wealth. The Church of Jesus Christ should be an anathema to the world because we live under a very different sovereign and rule. Are you moved this morning? Are you saying before God, as you're hearing this, oh, I want to be part of a church that lives radically different to my world, one that's full of love? Everything in me wants to build a community like this. And the truth is, we can. The truth is, here's a, here's a piece Heather made earlier. I will not take any credit for this. There is an art form in Japan called Kitsungi. And uh, it's also a philosophy or a way of life. And Kitsungi, this is a cheating Kitsungi because actually it's one plate, but we're pretending this morning. Heather tried to do it and failed. Not as easy as it looks. So this pretend Kitsungi, what Kitsungi says is that every one of us in life is a broken piece. All of our lives are broken. But each individual piece is precious. Every life in this room this morning, young and old, rich, poor, whether you're from South America or India or Ghana or London, England, all of you are precious and valuable to Almighty God. But what the Kitsungi says is in order to find eternal worth, you need to be joined to a whole. You need to be joined in the fullness of what the original designer wanted. And so Kitsungi, apparently you can buy a jug and it's, it's a fortune because it's far more valuable than the original jug because someone has lovingly put it back together again. And when I think of the Church of Jesus Christ, 
It's not Kitsungi, by the way. This, this, this thing that joins it is gold and it's precious. The, the, the gluing material, resin and gold, um, that's just paint. Um, but it becomes something of inestimable, incredible value. And the golden glue that brings our shattered, broken, sinful life that is so precious to God is the love of Jesus Christ. Listen to this, this, these two verses in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. There's no greater power on earth than the power of the cross. That love poured out from heaven as Jesus suffered and died and bore the sin of the world and the forsakenness of what it means to live outside of this love. So Jesus was resurrected on the third day declaring that there was now an amnesty between heaven and earth and whosoever, whosoever believes, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord could receive this incredible salvation, this freedom from sin, this, this resurrection life and not to go out and live this life on my own and be an individualistic Christian but to be joined into this incredibly powerful community that Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is so powerful, so all-consuming, so transformative in society. The salt of the earth, a city set on a hill, is the power of the church. And you and I are part of it here. Glued together, not because we, well, we like the same football team or, 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 or we like the same food. We're joined together by Almighty God's love. That's the glue that is unbreakable. That's the invaluableness and beauty of the church as it comes together as one. We cannot, brothers and sisters, play fast and loose with the local church. You cannot break this apart and glue it together Sunday by Sunday or have a few pieces missing Sunday by Sunday. The piece isn't whole. And so we need to recognize we're broken but valuable in our brokenness to Almighty God. But we're also together joined together by the love of God. Jesus says this in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other I have loved you. Much more I could say on this, but because of time, we're not going to move to the last point and say, well, what does this love practically look like? You know, what, what would Jesus want this guy to do? What does Jesus want us to do this morning? Can we, can, we, can we just put some flesh on the bones here, guy? A Samaritan. Here's a guy half dead. And a Samaritan. This is the boo moment of the story. A Samaritan was an outcast. He was a misfit. He, he was syncretistic in his religion. He was, it, it's very hard to think how it would be in our culture. You've got, sort of, you've got an elder, a worship leader passing by. You've got somebody who's clever passing by. You've got an evangelical passing by. And maybe it's a, it's a, a, 
ISIS militant coming down the road. Maybe, maybe that would make it more applicable to us. Two guys who are evangelicals go by, but the guy from ISIS stops and goes and meets this guy's need. See, Jesus wanted to offend. He wanted to make sure we weren't sort of hiding behind a religiosity. He wants to get really to the heart of what motivates your life and my life, how it really looks in practice. And here's what we see about how this love looks like. It's expensive, and yet it's free. The final encouragement. It's building a bridge. So it involves, firstly, going to where people are. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. He didn't hurl a few coins across the street. He didn't say, hey, guy, I've got a few ideas of how you can turn your life around. He went to where he was. If we are to build this church, which is a church of observable glory that will draw the world, we have to learn to cross the room. To people who aren't like us, same skin color, same demographic, young, old, oh, they're a bit, they look like they're from a poorer background, they're not so educated. We cross the room and we embrace them and we go to where they are and say, how, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? I've seen some horrible cross-cultural moments in my life. People who said, I hate their food. They eat rubbish. Children from a local council say, oh, we don't have too many of those children from that council state. They're going to mess up Sunday school. I've heard people say, I want to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary. We go to the ends of the earth. going to go to India. Do you like Indian curry? Hate it. Hate it. Horrible stuff. How about learning language? Can't be bothered all that jingo. No, no, I can speak English. English needs to be the language I speak. This horrible, superior, proud attitude when it considers other people. We need to go to where they are. Secondly, it involves caring and deliverance. So he took pity on him. He went, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and then he put a man on his own donkey. He doesn't tell him off. He doesn't give him a better way of living his life. He goes to where he is, he undresses him, and he meets his need, materially and physically. This man's wounded. This man's dying. And this person, who's meant to be you and I, goes to where he is and embraces that person and cares for that person. In this church, we want to be a one-another church. God is building a one another church. Romans 16, greet one another. Can we do that? James 5:16, confess your sins to one another. Do we do that with ministry time? Is ministry time for a few weirdos? I, I honestly could be first every Sunday, ministry time, when I sit under the word of God. And I think we should all have that heart attitude, confessing our sins. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12. Accept one another, Romans 15, 7. Love one another, John 13, 34. It's what sets us apart. And finally, in terms of what this love looks, it looks expensive and inconvenient to me because not only did he set him on his 
own donkey. He took him to an inn. Well, that's enough. Get rid of him. That's the problem solved. Now, the next day he comes back. He takes out some silver coins. He says, look, whatever it's going to cost, I'm in this for the long haul. We need to be in it for the long haul, brothers and sisters, with people in this church. I'd love just to have a ministry time. Phew, that's got them out of my hair. But to be there for one another, years it might take to have people walking again, living again, enjoying God's grace again. Building a diverse church costs us everything. It's not easy. Building an international church means we're going to give away huge sums of money as a church. It's going to be redistributed to people you might never meet this side of heaven. People who live in some of the poorest nations on earth, but because of your love and because of our togetherness, they drink clean drinking water, their kids get an education. The poor get lifted out of the dust heap. It means we're going to be constantly being challenged about our own selfishness and our own protectiveness and our own greed. But I tell you, it'll be worth it because I know the end of the story. The story begins in eternity past with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternal unity, dwelling in unity, the blessing of unity. And God so loved the world that he gave his Son in order that what? In order that we might find grace, we might find salvation, we might find healing, that we might be joined into a community that transforms the world. At the end of the story, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, worshipping the Lamb. There was a huge amount of work Westminster Chapel we've got to do and it's going to cost and who's fit for this none of us are you know I was preparing this you know how God's do you know God's got a sense of humor oh he's got such a sense of humor I'm walking a few weeks ago thinking of the message I'm walking to got up early going in to get some shopping in Bournemouth I'm walking into an area no one's around Little old lady's walking towards me, 50, 70 yards away. She trips. She falls on this pavement. My first thought is, is there anybody else around? Can someone else please go? There was a guy who was worse for wear from drink and been out all night, same distance from me, coming in the other direction towards her and he starts moving quicker towards her I'm thinking good problem solved I went over to this lady she cracked her head open there was blood all over the pavement she'd actually hurt her hip and so I crouched down the pavement this other guy crouched down the pavement as I said he was a real diamond in the rough and I'm trying to keep this lady warm, and he's trying to give this lady help, speaking in a very, I won't try and take his accent, but he, he was saying, well, you know, what's wrong with you? Are you all right? What can I do? And he, swearing every other word, picks up the phone, phone's 999, he starts calling for an ambulance, he's 
effing with them as well. He was, I was, I was trying to be a minister. Hey, are you okay? How's your back? What's hurting? This guy is effing and blinding. I, I'm thinking, I'm just, I, all my attitude was wrong. That's what I'm trying to say. He disappeared. He walked off. I thought, yeah, typical. Leave me freezing cold. Typical. He came back five minutes later with a hot cup of tea. He was the Samaritan. He was the good Samaritan. He cared enough. He went the extra mile. He stayed. Well, we both stayed. And I'll tell you what, if you ever think negatively about British public, something like this is wonderful. The number of people that came in. I saw a young girl who was just wearing a big overcoat. She took her overcoat. There was blood and everything. She put it over this lady. I was sitting in a warm coat. I wasn't going to take my coat off. I wasn't. Just being honest with you, because I'm saying this needs to affect us at this level in terms of what God really wants to do in our lives. And so, Westminster Chapel, in this season, we're talking both and. It's wonderful to say we want a diverse church. God, give us a diverse church. But unity costs. It will cost us everything. Our comfort on a Sunday, our comfort in giving up space, our comfort in terms of crossing a room, our comfort in eating food we might not naturally choose, our comfort in terms of speaking other languages and trying to help us to touch other languages, whatever it might be, it's going to cost us. But is it worth it? You bet it's worth it. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, how you love one another. So now we need to go to it. We need to put this word into action. So why don't you stand? I'm going to pray. Worship band, if you'd like to come up. What I feel is we just got our heads bowed. What I feel most powerfully that God wants to do is I, I believe he wants to soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, firstly, for this family of the church, that we do not treat it as a club, a middle-class club. We don't treat it as hierarchy. We want to build a community of love. That means every one of us having soft hearts, putting this word into practice, and soft hearts towards a world that is in darkness, a world that is broken, and so many lives broken. And we can go in the love of Jesus, and we can find them and bring the love of Christ to them, but then see them wonderfully gold-glued into this family of church that God is building at Westminster Chapel. So Holy Spirit, we want to be word and spirit, church. We want to put these words, Father, into practice. We do not want to be the teacher. We do not want to be the priest walking by on the other side. Help, Lord, me and us not to walk by on the other side to this word, but help us to get right into the warp and woof of dirty broken lives may we all have dirty hands and clean hearts 
hands that are prepared to get dirty for Jesus Christ, as you gave up everything, as you are the good Samaritan yourself, you crossed over, you came to us, you rescued us, you set our, our lives upon a, 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 upon a journey, upon a destiny, you took care of us in the end of the church, you brought us in and you've taken care of us and we are rich beyond measure and now Lord help us, help us to hear your Holy Spirit, to hear your word and to put these words into practice that Lord we might build a diverse and increasing increasingly diverse church here, leaders that are are from young, leaders that are from black and Asian background, leaders that are influencing everything we do as a church and bringing something of that beauty and diversity that we see in scripture. And Lord, I pray in our own hearts, deal with those horrible judgments, those wicked judgments that keep each other at arm's length. Lord, we want to see the poor. We want to see the world, the nations. We want to see the young. We want to see God do something amazing in Westminster chapel and so we give ourselves we give ourselves to you today and father go to work in our lives now as we worship you set a fire in our hearts i pray that will never be put out in jesus name amen thanks for listening to sermon audio from westminster chapel If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.